thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And welcome to today's podcast. And it's a spectacular day. I think it's about 33 degrees. It's a little toasty. <laughs> it's like my bum's sticking to the seat. I don't know about you girls. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sticking too. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. hot. It's, it's definitely hot. Yeah, it's warm. It's mm. toasty. So what we decided we were going to talk to you guys about today isn't sweaty bums or anything. But what we thought we'd talk to you girl, what you, we thought we'd talk to you guys about today. Look, I thought we'd get started on an even. Oh, why not? Saying, Look, it's going to go there anyway. Kim's going to bring in poo. She's going to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You're such a love. I thought I, I thought I might as well bring in the bum in early. Oh, a sweaty one at there. <laughs> actually quite inspiring we all downloaded this amazing book after a conversation with cindy where she said you've got to get it you've got to get it you just download it on your kindle you've got to get it you've got to read it and of course cindy downloaded it and read the first chapter and got totally caught in a rabbit hole and you know she's still in the rabbit hole <laughs> i think kim you've downloaded it have you yeah done you, the whole thing you've read the whole thing i downloaded it devoured the whole thing i think within an hour and a half i've practiced everything I've she's bought all the <laughs> I'm ready to give it in a seminar. Yeah. I, well, as a matter of fact, yeah. I have my mindset mastery program running this week in Brisbane, and I've actually taken a big part of this book and implemented it into mindset mastery. So, do you guys want to know what we're talking about? Okay, I'll give I'll, I'll give in. I'll let you know. You no, know. no, no, don't tell. Don't tell. Don't Se- tell no, secret no. squirrel. Secret squirrel. All right, we'll leave it. Okay, you guess. Okay, ready? Guess. No, no, nothing. Okay, cool. I'll tell you. <laughs> It's an amazing book that you can download. You can also buy it. It's in a hard copy. But if you download it, it's only $2 on your Kindle or your e-reader. And it's called E-Squared. Now, everybody's talking about it. It's on the. It's in the newspapers. It's in magazines. It's on the telly. Everybody is talking about E-Squared. And the part that I love the most about E-Squared was I'm a, I'm a huge fan and student of The Course in Miracles. And I'm sure that there are other people out there who've studied The Course in Miracles, and it's a really tough read. I started reading A Course in Miracles about 15 years ago and started doing all the lessons. And the, the, the inside of The Course in Miracles, there's also a teacher's manual. So, of course, me being the person that I am, you know, I went about learning it and doing the lessons, and then I went about putting together some information around it, which I've kind of implemented in all of my programs and in my counselling and stuff. But The Course in Miracles is really, it's really an amazing, it's an amazing book that, I guess, gives a very different slant to the reality that we live in on a day-to-day basis. And the woman who's written, what's her name again? Pam Grant. Pam Grout. Pam Grout has written E Squared, and she's also a student of A Course in Miracles. But the beautiful part that I love about it is A Course in Miracles is tough. It's heavy going. Whereas she's taken the lessons inside inside of A Course in Miracles and put them into layman's terms. In fact, everyday language, which makes it so easy to read, so easy to understand and digest, and it makes bloody sense. So we all have just fallen desperately in love with E-Squared. It's a brilliant, brilliant book with lessons in it, and, oh, it's just fantastic. So if you've ever looked at A Course in Miracles and thought, yeah, no, that's harder than reading the Bible... (laughs) 
get your little paws onto E squared because it's the most. It's it's a transformational book, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved your story, Cindy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I. Uh, you know when a book's on your radar all the time, you, you see it on Facebook or someone talks about it, and I always feel if someone is talking about a book that I should get it, especially if I've heard it three or four times. Absolutely. But because it was a little bit on manifesting, and I thought, well, I've just been to Greece manifesting, and I've got, you know, manifesting Matisse, and I've learned a lot about it, and I've been doing a lot of it. In it, I didn't think I needed to buy the book. Plus, you were doing really well with manifesting, yeah. so it was probably that sense of not needing to do anything more, really. Oh, and it probably was. But then another person tells me about it, and then they tell me it's only a couple of bucks on Kindle, and I went, "A couple of bucks? That's, I'm not going to waste that." Can't you know, complain you know, about that. You know, let's throw that on there. And so I was on my way down to Sydney um, in a plane, and I I thought oh, I'm going to start reading that E squared, see what it's all about. And I got to step one because there's nine steps and, and they're tests for the universe, basically. You're testing the universe that it is listening to you and you are asking for things. So step one or test one is where you write down the date and time right now. And then two days later, you write, or, and then you write the date in two days and the time in two days. So my date was the 9th of the 9th, 13. And in two days' time, it would have been the 11th of the night, 13, and it was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And so you'd ask for a gift from the universe. And so I asked for a gift from the universe. You don't have to be specific. You just ask for this gift. So I get off the plane, and I'd forgotten that I'd even done this. I I actually did, you know. I just kind of went, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done that. I've asked for my gift. Let's move on with life, (laughs) as you do. So I get to the airport. My husband's with me, and we go to get the car, and we've already, um, you know, booked the car. The car's $138, and the guy says that'll be $178. Oh, wow. And I went, but it's $138, and he said, but you've got a spare driver, and you've got this extra, and you've got this extra, and I went, I'll tell you what, get rid of all the extras, just give me, just let me have what we've already paid for, you know. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just give it all to you for free. So I went, bing. Gift number one, thank you very much. Or I thought my gift, you know, 40 bucks. I thought that was pretty good. So then my next one um, that happened is that we got the hire car and we went to our hotel. And in Sydney, you've got to pay for your car as well as your body. You know, basically you you go and sleep in a hotel, but you've got to let your car sleep as well, apparently, and you've got to pay for the bloody car. Oh, right, for the parking. For the parking. Oh, yes, of course. So you yes. have got a hire car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 38 bucks. And your parking would be like another 138 oh bucks in Sydney. Oh, my gosh. So then the, I just looked at my husband and I went, I knew we should have taken taxis. We should have just taken taxis. And the guy heard me say that. I wasn't ridiculing him. I just said, we should have just taken taxis. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll give you two nights free parking. And we only needed two nights. So I said, thank you very much. So that was number two. Then we went out for dinner and um, we were invited out to dinner by this guy who has a life insurance company and he's been, a lot of his family's been following me and they're, they're getting really good results with their health. And he figures if I can do the same thing for his life insurance patients, he won't have to pay his life insurance patients out because they're going to live longer. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> smart thinking, that. Very smart thinking. I think it's very smart. Up there for thinking, down there for dancing, yeah. in between for romancing. Hey? <laughs> right? Clever man. Please note, listeners, I did not say that. 
this case, I have not opened my mouth yet. I have not gone there. And twice already, we are seven minutes in and she's there. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he invites us to a a lovely restaurant in Sydney. And you know what Sydney's like. It's expensive. You know, $50 for a main meal, $25 for dessert, $25 for a brandy. You know, it gets pretty expensive. Mm, True Mm. that. True that. Entrees, I think, $25. So we have this beautiful dinner. And because it's my husband and I and him, my husband says, well, I'll pay for it. And he says, no, 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 my treat. So, well, there's another couple of hundred dollars there. So I'm thinking, I've done pretty good for 24 hours, you know, because we're just after 24 hours. So I think, oh, I've done really well. So um, from Sydney, we go to Perth. So we hop in the um, plane to go to Perth. And I've got five hours, no internet, ready to plug my computer in and just go for it. Like, and I'm going crazy on my computer. And then the guy in front of me decides he wants to sleep. So he puts his chair back. And of course, who's tried to sleep? Oh, I mean, try to work mm. while someone in front of you is trying oh, to sleep. Oh. I'm like, I got my hands up above my breast, just about trying to type. <laughs> like a squirrel. Oh, I, do. I look like a yes, squirrel. squirrel hoarding nuts. That's hilarious. That's exactly what she looked like. Guys, you should have seen that. So you just actually did the action. <laughs> As if she was being filmed, like you know, she just did. The, it was very funny. Yeah, and I was, I was up, I was up trying to type it on this thing, really frustrated. <laughs> you look like scrap of the ice age. You know that little thing that hides the acorn. That's a cute. Oh, anyway, well, anyway, 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 we digress. We did. So I, I said to my husband, I go, I'm getting out of this seat, and I'm going to go find a seat where I can sit and I can work for the next four hours. You know, so I hop out. And I see um, a gentleman by himself, and he's bigger than just a normal seat. So I I just think, that would be a good seat for me, but it's not really fair to him. So I end up in the exit, um, on the chair, not on the chair, but on the platform that's on the exit door. Mm. And, of course, the steward comes up to me and said, I'm sorry, but you can't stay there. And I said, look, I really want to work. Can you find me a seat? So he finds the seat that I had seen and asked this gentleman if it's okay if I sit there while I work. And he obviously said yes. So four hours, I'm typing away like a mad woman, and this other gentleman is watching a movie. And just as I finish typing and close my computer and he um, closes down his movie, he then turns to me and he says, oh, I wish I could type like you. And, and I said, oh, really, why? And he said, well, I'm writing a book about myself, about my life, and i just not as quick as you. And I said, really, what, you know, tell me about your life. And he, instead of telling me about it, he gave me his iPad, and I read it. So I was reading away, and about 15 minutes later, I'd finished reading what he'd already written. And, he, and before I'd started this whole thing, I said, oh, by the way, I'm an author. Maybe I can give you some tips. So um, I, I gave it back to him. He said, okay, what do you think? I said, well, I find it really interesting, um, but you're an Aboriginal and this is a Western life and I want to know about your culture more than I want to know about anything else. Like, it's nice to know this is what it was like. He then explained to me that he didn't even know he was an Aboriginal until he was about nine or ten when someone called him a coonface. And he went home to his mum and he said, mum, somebody called me a coonface and his brother went right off his tree. Who 
called you a coon face? You know, who did that to you? And all of a sudden he realised that it was a derogatory term. Yeah. And that was when he actually realised that he was actually a different colour. And you know how we've been... Oh, bless him. Yeah. Well, you know in E Squared how it talks about when you concentrate on one thing, you actually don't see what else is happening Absolutely. around you. Mm-hmm. And he just saw himself as a, as a boy with the other boys. He never saw that there was a different colour. Oh, shame. So what was really interesting is that and you might be thinking, well, what's this got to do with your gift? Well, I want to just digress a little bit. About the early 1990s, I read a book called Newton Messages Down Under. And Newton Messages is about um, an American woman in, when she was 50 coming to Australia and going on walkabout as a result of numerous circumstances. She goes on walkabout for four months with the Aboriginals. And now this is back in the 80s she does this. And she learns about their culture, so she learns about their spirituality, the way they telepathically speak, their healing, which is quite um, amazing. He talks about um, like what they eat, how they how they actually manifest their their food because they lived in the desert. So she learns all of these things, and then she's told by the real people that this is. Um, there's a reason why she's with them that is she's to tell the rest of the world that they are leaving the planet they won't be staying on the planet because they can't survive because they they, you know they're used to um, how they they do their food and everything they just can't survive anymore so they ask her to write a book about them she writes this book she's on Oprah, she's everywhere it's a self-published book 350,000 are sold um, as she self-publishes, and then I think Random picks her out up. But she um, basically, a lot of people don't believe that she actually did this, and a lot of Aboriginals in Australia do not want her in Australia because they have a, they have, um, that's um, Kimmy's cat. That's my little baby. Yep. Yeah. Just in case you guys did hear that. Yeah. That was, that's, is that Cleo? Yeah. That's Cleo. She's my little old girl, and she's not well, so just excuse me one tick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So um, what happens is that um, now we're we're all watching. The you cat. were watching Kim walk out <laughs> snuggling. Oh. Okay. So the Aboriginals say that there's a white woman that knows way too much about their culture. So I've always wanted to meet an Aboriginal that can tell me that these real people exist. Oh, amazing. So here I am sitting next to what looked like a fairly full blood Aboriginal, and I said to him, "You know, I've." I've I want to know, do you know anything about mutant messages down under? I ask him. And he says, no, I've never heard about it. I said, you've never read the book? And he said, no. I said, what talks about the real people? He says, the real people exist. He says, they walk through town, but you won't know that they're there. They, um, he says that they live in the desert um, and they are amazing healers and they're, you know, he talks about their whole culture. And then he tells me a story about himself where he is, um, he's been in an accident and he's um, broken his neck, uh, he has glass in his eyes, and he's unconscious. And he, he's basically dead because he's risen above his body and he's watching everything from above. He watches the ambulance get him, he gets to the hospital, his mother's there with the medicine man, the Aboriginal medicine man, and a, and a, a doctor, a, a conventional doctor. His mother says to the, to the doctor, could you please leave the room for five minutes? I want the medicine man to first deal with my son. And um, the doctor's quite anxious because he's broken his neck, he's unconscious, they're really worried about him, but he leaves the room. The medicine man grabs his hand, so 
this is the young man that's sitting beside me, grabs his hand. He says he feels this electric bolt through his body and he bounces back to his body. So no longer is he hovering above his body, he's back in his body. Then the medicine man basically spent, puts his hands around, you know, maybe two inches above the body um, and starts to remind the body what its correct manner is for healing and for health. And he completely goes over the body, goes over the eyes, grabs his hands into a ball over the eyes, and then the doctor walks back in again. And as the doctor walks back in, the medicine man says, could you hold your hand out? And the, medicine, uh, the doctor holds his hand out, and the medicine man drops all the glass into his hand. And basically, um, Nathane is the name of the gentleman that I've met, wakes up and he doesn't need an operation, doesn't need anything. What Nathane des- described to me was what I read in Newton Messages Down Under. And that was my gift. My gift was I, I finally, after nearly 20 years of reading this book, I was given, yes, Cindy, these people do exist yeah. and this type of healing do, does exist. And, and the, the way they they um, look for food does exist you know the whole spirituality their telepathy there and he even told me they astral travel they do everything the new age does mm. these guys have been doing for 60,000 years yeah, yeah. and from there I stopped reading E squared and I started reading mutant messages down under again mm. and what I realized mutant messages down under was was all about manifesting every morning the aboriginals in the real people get together and they they pray in a circle and they ask the universe for its higher good that whatever animals and plants pass by them, then it's their time to give their life for their life. It's just, you know, wow. and, and so they don't know where their next water's coming from or their next food's coming from, but they manifest every single day out in the desert what they want. And, I, like, I, I just went from E squared to manifesting Matisse and then that took me to another book because all of a sudden I was interested in, because the real people say we don't die, you know, so then I went on to another book. What book? Um, I went to Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss, which we'll have a conversation about in another podcast. But it, I just, it was the biggest gift I could have ever got. I, I got off that plane, Nathane was just one of the most beautiful men, and I got off that plane, you know, and he was so in love with his wife and so in love with his seven children and showed me photos of them and said, you must come to Broome and you must meet my family wow. and we'll talk more about, you know, uh, Aboriginal cultures and real people. So I said to him... Yeah, when, when do we go? go? I know, go? I'd love to go and meet him and, you know, spend time with him. But he said to me, I said, that's what I want you to write about. Why don't you write about your healing? And he said, well, I'll be like you know, Marlo Morgan, who wrote the book Mutant Messages Down Under, and I will be I will be in trouble. They'll point the bone at me because this is a culture that's a secret culture. But the way I see it is that I think these cultures need to tell us. We've lost our way, I think, in the Western mm. world. Mm. These guys are doing what um, the New Age movement is kind of doing. You know, the, you know what, what people are, are searching for, for is life's got to be easier. And mm. these were the real people. They had nothing. They never carried anything. They were um, nomads. Um, they... They never carried food because they trusted the universe mm. and the planet to give them the food that they needed, but they know they can't do it anymore. So, look, it's a great book to read. It's 20 years old. You can what get you, it on... What do you um, mean they know they can't do it anymore? 
Well, they, Sorry. they can't do it anymore because they're losing their land. There's a lot of mines oh, out I there see what now. You're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of mining out there now, and there's a lot of. Um, it, it's just the, the the land's being destroyed. Their land that that they did this on. So yeah. So they they feel that they can't survive as a as a race. So they've chosen to leave the planet. So when she wrote this, the youngest was 13. So that was what nearly, when she did it, it was probably 30 years ago. So he's probably in his 40s. But they chose to be celibate because of this very reason, because they knew they couldn't survive. They couldn't exist on this planet, but the way it was going. Wow. Mm. But they've been doing it for 60,000 years. You know, they had lived on Austra- in Australia for that amount of time. But they know, you know, you know I look at it and I go, God, you know, they're not... They weren't about materialism. No. Everything was about their amazing life. And to, and the fact that I'd read this book, and I read this book every couple of years, and every time I read it, I get something more out of it. And so meeting Nathane and him talking more about it, I actually, this time I read it, I, I even read different things. Mm-hmm. You know, their relationship with food. Their relationship with food is, it is a relationship with food. We don't have a relationship with food. Mm. You know, we go to the grocery store, we buy packaged food, we don't even know where it's coming from. Mm. And their belief is, is if you do not have a relationship with your food, then you don't have health. Mm. Until you get that relationship, then you will find health. So people buying packaged foods and foods that don't even know where they're coming from or not, you know, they're not even growing their own food um, or catching their own food. You know, there's a, there's a guy in America and his name is um, Daniel Fatalis and he has a thing called wilding and it's all about let's, let's get back out in the wild and, and find out what greens that we can eat oh, that yeah. are out there in the wild. And So, uh, yeah, that's what E-Squared did for yeah. me. And Kim has a, a wonderful um, story too it about was, E-Squared. Was, but yeah. I think the kick I got out of you ringing me, because Cindy rang me straight after, and she got, basically it was off the plane, off the wasn't plane. it? Oh, yeah. Well, I had to give a howard, you know, a little bit of time, because here I was on the plane with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Nathane was amazing, because he said, oh, you're here with your husband, because he didn't know. I said, yeah, he's just two seats behind. Well, as soon as the plane stopped, Nathane got up and leaned over to my husband and said, hi, I'm Nathane. He said, it's respect, mm. you know, oh. just respect, you know. I, like I think that's board. what I got after, after your phone call. It really pushed a few buttons for me because living here in Australia, it really astounds me how the culture is not embraced the way it is. <laughs> Bless you, Poppy. Oh, excuse me. Um, in New Zealand, our, our schools, we're taught to greet in Māori, we're taught to um, understand words, our national anthem is sung in Māori, like... It's very different for us mm-hmm. over there. And so when I brought the children over here and we went to school, there was nothing cultural. So when you rang me, there was a part of me that felt really excited, of course, for you, but another part of me that felt really sad, not only for myself here missing out on a lot of the cultural feelings, but the fact that Australia does not embrace its culture in the way that I believe it should be. Mm-hmm. And I know that the Aboriginals are a very old culture and I know that they're an incredibly um, nomadic and very almost um, on their own, you know, mm. like they're not, they're not big at integrating into the city life perhaps as much as the Maoris have. Someone said something interesting to me too that when you look at the Aboriginals compared to the Maoris, the Maoris were warriors. They fought for the mm. land in New Zealand. Yeah. They fought, they were strong, they were... And you only had to look at a Maori or be around the elders to really and see the mokus and the tattoos and 
see the history and I'm about to take a group of people to New Zealand on a retreat where we're going to experience a cultural thing and I just feel really proud of that and so when you were talking to me about Nathaniel and all of his story I got really excited for the first time about wanting to know about the Mm -hmm. Aboriginal culture and I think it would be a great idea I think we should do something cultural here in New Zealand and maybe invite Australia sorry that was a fraudulent that was a but I think it would be wonderful don't you think all our beautiful international listeners to if, if ever we run something down here to actually include something around this beautiful country and all the things you were talking about in Mutant Messengers mm. are very much around what we three believe and talk about mm. do you wonder both of you before I talk about my story do you think the reason why they don't want to share it they don't think we're ready for it or do you think that they think that we'd abuse it or is that what you know what I don't know but I, I like I remember what I learned in Australian history um, that they were a dumb race this, this is what I was taught in the 1960s that they were a very um, backward race and it wasn't until I read Mutant Messages Down Under that I, I got a new perspective on, on who they were and, and what they did. And because of, you know, learning about the Aboriginals, you know, they talk that the plants speak to them. Um, there's a scientist, I think his name's Wade, and you can look at him on TED.com, and he, he's an anthropologist. Anthropologist, I think. Yeah, he's an anthropologist, a, a, a cultural anthropologist, and he says that there's a group in South America who says the plants speak to them. And he knows that there's no way that these guys, these, this culture could have figured out mixing 16 plants together that would allow them to be able to have... They're hallucinogens, by the way. One of them's an hallucinogen. But because the hallucinogen is so dangerous, then they have to add other things to it to make it calm and something that, you know, they can see um, more inspiration in their life. This is what they use it for. Modern-day weed. Modern-day weed, it, it was. <laughs> well, it probably is. But he was basically saying that that culture says the plants speak to us and tell us which ones we need to mix together. Mm. Now, can you imagine the British coming to Australia in 1770 and being even the least bit excited about Aboriginal culture? They, they would think that they're all wacky, you know, and they're all wacky-backy. That's what they would have been thinking. But it's only now that this whole new age is starting that we realise that that what their culture was was probably very significant um, for us now in the future. And will they share it with us? Will they trust us? Like the healing. You know, I just remember having this argument with this medical doctor who just says there's only one way, and that's medical way. The medical way, that's it. But to hear what Nathane, what happened to Nathane, and to read what happens in Mutant Messages Down Under on a broken up, that was a broken leg that happens on Mutant Messages Down Under, and to see that healing, um, you just kind of go... We're missing the point. We're missing mm. the point. We, and, and all they do is remind the body as to what it should be like, mm. and that, that healings can be instantaneous. But we have this belief that it takes six weeks for a broken leg to heal. Well, this woman talks about 24 hours, and she talks about, she watches the whole procedure, the reminding that the body should be in this position, the medicine woman and the medicine man on either side of the leg, and not even touching the leg, but watching the leg being drawn out. So 
I, I actually would love to learn and love to see this, but I think it's a belief as well. You know, it's like the pointing of the bone. They believe that once the bone's pointed at them, that they will die. And they subsequently and they do. do. And they do. Mm. So I don't I just, I got a newfound um, um, inspiration, I guess, with food. Mm. It really, I started to really think more about our relationship with food. That's what it did for me. Mm. Uh, and... And in it, I don't know, I just, I just feel so good about what I do now. But I know I can do more and mm. I know I can do better. And that's what my gift was. And I think it was one of the most profound gifts. Like it, makes, it gives me tears. Oh, that's mm. awesome. You know, and I wrote about it in my newsletter. It'll be out in my October newsletter because I just felt that if I got that... And, you know what else is possible what else is possible you know and then I can share that and I'm hoping like I've I've tried to um get Nathane to I, I went on his Facebook and just say thank you so much because I told him he was my gift mm. I actually told him what I'd done and I said you're my gift and you know what he said to me he said well I told my wife a couple of days ago that I needed to meet an author to direct me in the right direction for my book oh, oh isn't that beautiful you know, so he asked for something I asked for something and we both received it but like I kind of go well is it coincidence but why 20 years later yeah, why 20 years later I, I finally meet my Aboriginal. I travelled around Australia for two years, you know, in all the all the places where the Aboriginals were. Never met one that I could really sit down and have a heart to heart with, and and feel so close to another human being. Yeah, it was it was lovely, absolutely I, lovely. I love this line in the book, um, in the opening couple of chapters, where it says, "This is E squared." E squared. Sorry, yeah. If you weren't immersed in this non-stop riot of fragmented old school thinking, you'd be modifying you'd be modifying your life at will. You'd have no fear around money. You'd have nothing but beautiful relationships, and you'd be so ecstatically content that it would never occur to you to pick up a book like this. <laughs> Quite amazing, oh, isn't it? Right. Mm. So I was really interested when Cindy said that, mm. and I'd been hearing about E squared as well, and and I kind of thought, and I, I don't know if any of you are like this, but. I really do believe in the greater, there's something greater at play always. But then there's a little bit of self-doubt that creeps in sometimes. It goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure, prove it, you know. And so when the book says, go on, ask the field of infinite possibility to actually see if it can do it. So the first um, exercise is that, go on, show me a sign. Mm. And I wrote this down in my diary because I just did it straight onto my phone. And I said, I'm giving you exactly 48 hours for you, infinite field of possibility, to show your presence. I am looking for a clear sign, something that cannot be written off as consequence. So I started mine at 11.22 on the 23rd of September. And it finished at one at one twenty two Fijian time because then we went to Fiji for our retreat. Anyway, I um, I started off and I was and I just finished at eleven twenty two. At eleven thirty, I was driving my daughter to dancing, and um, and as I was driving along, I looked at my car and I just all of a sudden I know this is going to sound really stupid, but I had this whole newfound connection with my car. It was like. <laughs> Oh, this car is actually beautiful. This car, look at us. It's driving us. Like I got really kind of weirdly present to the fact that yeah. these machines can drive us at amazing speeds with incredible comfort and took me and my daughter to her dancing. Then I had to run around all over the place. And just to backtrack a little bit for me, 10 years ago, I really wanted to create a video. By the way, just before you say this, Kim talks about this video incessantly. 
You do. I do. You do talk about. So ten years ago, you might have thought about it, but you've been think you've been really talking about this mm. video for ten years. But I have. You go on. <laughs> want them all to know how long she's been talking about it. Right. <laughs> One of those little thorns in the side. No, 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 but, no, no um, not at all. No. no. And, um, <laughs> anyway, this video, I, I won't describe it just now, but it is about beauty and about our connection to our own beauty and, and actually not buying into all the, the ridiculous hype and BS that's out there surrounding what this physical beauty supposedly is. And I've got it in my head how it looks, um, and I've been trying to work it. And when I approached someone to do this video a number of years ago, I was told it was going to cost me $40,000, plus he was actually interested in royalties on it. So I just kind of thought, mm. well, that's not feeling right. That's not what the essence of this is about. And I parked it. And it's been on and off mm. for a number of years, as you know. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that morning, I get a phone call from a young woman who I had been introduced to through one of my beautiful girls at work. And Kaz said to me, Kim, you'll love Courtney. She's amazing. Um, she's young. She's 22. And she's just got this whole beautiful approach to technology and all that. Maybe she could help us with our social media. And I'd met with her the week before. And I'd said to her about this video. And she said, well, I might have an idea around it. Parked that two weeks before then. So here I am driving along. And Courtney rings me. And she says, Kim, I was just thinking a couple of my girlfriends. We've been really thinking about you and your video. Could we meet? And I was flying out to Fiji the next day. I was taking my daughter to dancing. I had to go into the office, a multitude of things to get ready before I went. And I said, honey, I would love to, but the only opportunity I have is at 4 o'clock this afternoon um, in Kiluan, just here on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, but I, that probably won't work for you, would it? And she went, leave it with me. Well, I get a text 10 minutes later saying, all four of us will be there at 4 o'clock. And I thought, four of you? Who are these people? Anyway, so four o'clock they arrive. There's nowhere to sit. There's nowhere to have a meeting. So I go out to my beautiful car that I've been admiring, and I open the boot, and I offered them all a seat in my boot. (laughs) And the darling sat there for 15 minutes while I gave them an overview, a brief of what my video and what my idea is. And as I was speaking, their little eyes were just, they were just lighting up. And then I said to them, um, I don't know, what do you think? I, I want to do photos. I want to do quotes. I would just love it if someone had a, a beautiful voice or if, if you knew someone in music that could put a song to it in the background because I've written a poem about it and I'd love that, you know, sung. And they all sat there and their, their little faces were just grinning. They're all in their early 20s. One of them, Ellie May, is a photographer and an incredible, beautiful. She's got an amazing following on Instagram. She's just stunning. I'm re- she looks like a She's not a model, but she is a model, if you know what I mean. She's an incredible model. And she just puts posts on Instagram that are beautiful things she loves. Now she's got people from New York and London sending her stuff. Oh. And now she's got about seventeen or 18,000 followers on Instagram within wow. the last year. Um, that's wow. how much she's grown. And because of her, the way she frames things, she's just got that little X factor. Yeah. And then her friend Teresa next to her happens to be a videographer. (laughs) And um, she sat there and told me all about her approach to videoing and what she loves, which was totally up my alley. So it's not about your classic everyday looking at a shot and filming it. It's quite abstract and quite thoughtful. And she showed me one of her videos she's done. And I got a tear in my eye because I went, this is the feeling. You, you can't put this into words. Mm-hmm. And then I said, oh, gosh, now all we need is a musician. And then all three of them looked at the other girl who I hadn't met. And she was sitting there. And she happened to be Teresa's sister who sings. 
and writes music. <laughs> and I just sat there and went, oh are you God. all serious? <laughs> and then I just got the biggest grin and they're all going, what's so funny? I went, you're all my gift. Yeah. You're my gift. Like, I thought the gift was having a daughter that can dance and a son that's quite spunky and gorgeous and a husband that loves me and my car and the fact that my cat's still alive and all these little things that I was thinking were amazing <laughs> gifts. All of a sudden, had something way beyond my mm. And that, to me, it says, you know, is that a consequence? Absolutely not. It just confirmed for me that when you put your mind and your intention and your thinking on something, how incredibly present. Or maybe it's always there. This was the question in the conversation we started having was, well, maybe it's there all the time, but you don't appreciate and acknowledge it or you don't actually fully comprehend the power of what you've thought and created. Mm. Because what I'm starting to notice the more I think it's hard, it's a struggle, it's not fair, guess what? It's hard, it's a struggle, it's not fair. And then when I go into, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful, same things are still happening in my life, but it doesn't feel hard, a struggle, or unfair. Mm. So I think that's, and I couldn't put the book down, so I kept going. And then in Chapter 5, you actually have to give a specific request to the universe and even that was fulfilled for me in a weird, weird way, very weird way around my new book that I'm writing. And I put out there that I wanted to create some opportunity about to get clear on the book. And I'm not kidding, that morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, I got an email from a lady who runs a ma- an online magazine here called Dear. And she put an email and to me. And that's D-A-R-E, not Dear. Yeah, not, not D-E-A-R, as it sounds like with her Kiwi accent, Dear. Just, just, just needed to correct You yeah, just need to clarify, because that's like saying Dear, Dear. It's a Kiwi accent. You two are such in, in tart. Here. Is that the same way that you say it here in Australia? Tart, tart. Same, same? Same, same, but same. Yeah. But different. You're tar- same, 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 but, but different. Tart, tart. Go on, sorry. She, I got this email at 7 o'clock in the morning inviting me to write my book within the next 30 days with support. And all of a sudden I went, well, I mean, how many of us get emails like that in the morning in your inbox? I know. So I know. it's I know. just, it's an amazing book. And because I've heard Karen talk so much about A Course in Miracles, and she refers to that a lot in there, obviously, um, it made me want to go and get that book. It's made, and did exactly for you. I want to read a whole lot of different books now mm. and just take you it off. It does. It takes you off in another, another area. You know, um, one of the things that, is it asks you, um, I think it's number two, it asks you to ask for butterflies or something like that. So I, I decided to ask for butterflies. And, um, and you know what butterflies are to all of us. You know, butterflies are my sister and my mother and butterflies for you, Karen, are... Um, a part of your mm. your whole thing and, and butterflies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So we all have this thing with butterflies. So it asks you to look for a butterfly. And I never saw a butterfly. Opened up my email. Somebody sent me a an email and had a butterfly Aww. on the corner. And what did we give you for your birthday, love? Uh, um, um, a bracelet. With? A butterfly. A butterfly. Yes. That's right. Oh, shit. You did too. I never even thought of You did put that together? No. Oh, well, look oh, at that. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that funny? We, and we did it very no. deliberately, and you just did I knew it was a butterfly, but I didn't think that that's that, that what was I'd requested. Not only did you see one, but you've actually got one on your wrist all the time. I got one on me. Time. Well, I only took it off last night. They're looking at my wrist right now. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> you must go to sleep with that. You must shower with that. Yes. You must do everything. Oh my gosh, I've forgotten that. 
Oh, that is just too That's too funny. Anyway. Amazing. Look, it is, I think it is absolutely amazing, that mm. book. It's easily written, and she writes it quite humorously, which I love. Oh, I love it. She says, unless you've just crawled out from underneath a cabbage leaf. <laughs> Her language is really, it's really, it's good, really cool. It? It's really cool. She's, um, and she's got a really good take on God as well, because for a lot of people, they find the whole terminology of God quite offensive based on their upbringing or whatever their view or perspective on God is. So she's really quite casual about that. She says, look, I don't really care what you think or what you call him or it. Irrelevant. <laughs> you know, and I love it because, and, and this is the thing that I think is just so beautiful which I'm really starting to get. And I think that, um, Cindy, your point is so profound in that the ancient traditions, the Aboriginals, they've been doing this all along. Mm. And our New Age movement is now taking us down exactly the same path that's been there all along. And the reality is, is that we've always been creating. We've always been creating. We've just been creating what we don't want. Mm. And then looking at a world that doesn't serve us and then saying that the world is such a bad place or life is so difficult, life is always so challenging because what we continue to create is more of what we don't want because that's all that we're focused on. And unfortunately, from the time that we're born, we're taught to survive, Mm. what not to do in order to survive. We work out subconsciously what not to do in order to survive. So we're always focused on what not to do rather than focusing on what to do. We're focusing on what not to do. And our brains are conditioned that way. And it's a societal norm that permeates through every single human being until we get to a certain point where we go, well, this isn't working out for me anymore. And then we start to look at other ways of creating a life that works. And I think E squared and The Secret and, you know, uh, Esther Hicks, all of that that is like a very slow educational process for us. Mm. But we are slow. And I don't blame the Aboriginals for wanting to keep it hidden you know i'm i'm south african and for those of you guys who didn't know that i was born in south africa and there's another one that says oh what i haven't heard that one from you sister means shame for you but there's you know there's this whole there's this whole movement um that's heading towards where we've already been and my mum has a beautiful phrase where she says if you look at it we're just going back Mm. to create a new future so that whole back to the future you know concept is so real um this, and, and the way that the brain and the body and the way that we, we function is already set up to be creative. We are already set up to be creative in terms of the way that we think, the way that we influence each other, the way that we influence our own energy, the way we influence our own healing, the way that we influence the lives of others, the way that we can influence a plant, the way that we can influence the air, the way that we can influence our environment. We're already set up to be incredibly creative. But instead of being creative, we're so distracted. We're so distracted by focusing on what we don't want. And we're lost in what we don't want. We're lost in not having a bad relationship. I don't want this relationship to be like the last one. I don't want my kids to grow up like I did. Mm. I don't want... um, I don't, I don't ever want to be hurt, so I'm never going to do this, that, or the other. I don't want to be fat, so I'm not going to eat that kind of food. But whatever we think we don't want, we create it. 
the very thing we don't want, we're creating it because that's what we're focusing on. And I love how simply E squared puts the process of shifting the mindset mm. to being creative in the way that we were, the way that we've already been designed to be creative. So it doesn't actually require effort. It doesn't require that we do anything differently. It doesn't require that we that we you know, go and sit on the top of the, of the Himalayas and meditate for six months. It doesn't require that we do any of that. It just requires that we align ourselves with what's already innately there. Mm-hmm. I went to, um, I went to, it's kind of like an oxymoron, but I went to a raw cooking class. It's <laughs> an oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. A raw so cooking funny. class. I know. And it was a raw preparation class. Raw preparation Raw preparation class. class. Yeah. And it was really. Did you get invited? No. no, no. I noticed mm-hmm. her in that way. No, I noticed mm-hmm. that too. I, I did, did, did. Yeah. Yes, saw it on Facebook. Yes, I did notice that. Well, mm-hmm. You know, I'd be really honest. I actually, it never occurred <laughs> to me because you people love to cook, love to cook, <laughs> and you, you know, eat meat and stuff. And so it never even occurred to me. I don't. So I just took other raw people. <laughs> I am so glad you're getting it and not me this time. <laughs> I always get it because I haven't bought it for you or I haven't. Oh, keep going, keep going, keep doing it, to yeah. you, Kimmy. Keep yeah. doing. How was it. your raw cooking? <laughs> Love, I have to say to you, twas fabulous, twas. And twas. Did, did one bring any food today during the podcast for us to sample? No, actually, no. Mm, no, that would be right. See, I can go to the classes, but doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to um, make it. Well, that's going to be the same for me from now on. I can shop, but I won't necessarily buy for you. <laughs> oh, oh, you should have seen face. Oh, my God. Tell carry on. Mm. Mm. Are we listening? Mm. <laughs> now I'll just shut her up here. Please continue, Karen. Now Anywho. that you've had yours, anywho, less about you, more about me. <laughs> and let me say, now that you've said, said that, this. let me say this. <laughs> and having said that, we'll go on to that <laughs> with this. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So when I went to this raw okay. prep class, right. it was set up in, um, it was in Dunan. And, oh, oh for goodness Dunan. sake, it was, ah, stop it, Kim. <laughs> She's doing the whatever Trevor face at me. It was, it was set up in the most spectacular place, perched on the top of a mountain. And so the oh. view was breathtaking. We got there at 10 o'clock. And when I got there, the man who was running it was walking his little white fluffy dog out on the road. Oh, oh, oh I was, she was sold. In. She was in. That's it. I was <laughs> sold. I was there. And then he went on. And, he, you know, he, he's, quite a, he's quite a unique fellow. Um, I like how she says unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Different, mm-hmm. unusual. I like it. Yes. Different, <laughs> unusual. It's nice to like it. And he was talking about lots of different things about raw food, but he started to talk about, um, which really struck such a significant chord for me because I I feel like, just so that everybody knows, I feel like I'm going through a bit of a transition in my life right now and I don't quite know what's coming out the other end of it, but I can really feel there's a transition coming. And when he started talking about it, he was talking about um, the human's harmony with Mother Earth mm. and how plants talk to us. And if we lost all of our ability to cook and to grocery shop and power went down, could we forage? Could we feed ourselves? Could we survive? And he said the answer is no for most of humanity because we're not connected. Because we're just not connected to the universal forces that, and he didn't say this, but I threw it in, 
we're just not connected to the universal forces that beat our heart, breathe us, blink our eyes, bloom a rose, bake a baby and rise the sun. We're just not connected to that. In fact, we're more distracted from that. Don't you find that interesting? That oh. I've read about it mm. in Mutant Messages and there he's saying it to you. So we're, oh. we've, we've oh, got Oh, and this. my little thing was, just so we're on the plant thing, here I was in Fiji and thought, oh, I didn't ask anyone to water my beautiful veggie garden oh, while I'm away. No. Oh. So I did a little meditation while we were in Fiji. You know, the day we were doing the meditation? Yeah. I lay there and thought of my veggie garden and went, God, please rain. Please give my plants whatever they need. Now, it didn't rain, but I got a message on my Facebook page that afternoon from my neighbour who said, I had a funny thought to go and water your garden. Oh, my gosh. Oh, how beautiful. Is that amazing? And she went over and watered my beautiful garden for oh. me. Beautiful. So, yeah, I talk to my plants from Fiji, just saying. Well, do you know, I mean, we can't, I know that's, to some people listening that might sound wacky, but we can't write that off because even in E-squared, there's an exercise in E-squared, and I'm not going to give it oh, away. yes, yeah, that's an amazing exercise. Well, should I talk about yeah, it? Yeah, talk about it okay. because I just think it's, I think people should try it. Okay, cool. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to give away the punchline of the book, but okay, oh, cool. Okay, well, cool. I'll just say the whole book. Yeah, right, sure. Good, let's go. She's going to rewrite it. She's got a new one coming out called E-thirded. E-quadded? E-thirded because it's a third dimension to look at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) You're so funny. I'm just trying to think, what's a fourth dimension? (laughs) Um, Well, so what you do is you get your coat hangers and you you untwist your coat hangers so that then they form a perfect L shape. And it's got to be a metal coat hanger. And so you hold about five inches of the coat hanger in one hand, and then there's about 12 inches of the coat hanger, you know, pointing outwards away from you. And this actually shows that the mind, well, actually, what, what, what science is, what we know is that there's an electromagnetic field that, that pervades the body, that goes outside of the body, and it's actually the source of that electromagnetic field is actually the heart. So that we know. And that electromagnetic field, when we're out and about, your electromagnetic field is bouncing off my electromagnetic field and that's why I feel you. And what E squared talks about and these these coat hangers actually prove is that our thoughts impact that field. So you cut your coat hangers and you hold one in each hand and if you look straight ahead but then you focus your thoughts. So I had Matt stand to my far right. So I looked straight ahead, but I focused my thoughts intensely on Matt. And I focused on Matt, focused on Matt, focused on Matt, and I got all this loving feeling towards Matt. These coat hangers flipped from being straight ahead to shring straight across to Matt so quickly and so poignantly I was floored. And then if you have a sad thought, um, it shows that the energy contracts and then if you have a positive short thought, it shows that the energy energy expands around the body. So I thought, okay, I'll give this a whirl. So I thought about my dog, Dolly, who passed away about five years ago. And, of course, that just always just, you know, tears me into millions of pieces. Page so, 142 of your book, We Always Miss. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Don't read that. Don't, don't read don't, that. Don't read that. Page. Page. That's Soul when Survivor. Dolly dies in Soul Survivor. Yeah. Dolly dies. No, no, okay. I don't want to read it. <laughs> Yeah, devastating. Oh, that's when everybody loses it because that's the final straw. It's like, how could that? How could that happen? How could Dolly die? Yeah. So when Dolly, so I thought about when Dolly died, um, and these coat hangers. I'm not joking. They came. They were straight ahead initially, and I was just looking straight ahead, thinking about Dolly. And these coat hangers crossed over, and they didn't only cross over. They kept going until they touched either side of my neck. 
they kept on going. And then when I put them back to the front again, okay, I thought now I'm going to think of a really amazing thought. And I thought about my TV show. I thought about the things I want to create next year. She thought about us. And taking us to the raw food class. Yeah, and yep, bang. Yep, yeah, yep. There they go. <laughs> Went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They expanded. So instead of them crossing over in front of me, they actually they spread out. Mm-hmm. And then they spread out so far that, again, they touched me on either side of the neck. Oh, wow. So it just kept going. Like, it was just... It, and that actually was evidence to me that the energy field is obviously not just in front of us, and that would make sense. But the energy field is all around. Yes. It's amazeballs, mm. balls. And so, we're always affecting that energy field mm. with our thoughts, with other people's thoughts. It's, it's always being affected. Well, do you want to know what else I do? Yes. This is a little woohoo. Are you ready? <laughs> I actually decided to see if I could try, and, and Nat, uh, who runs our events for us, she suggested that I do this. I decided I would see if I could affect Matt's thoughts. So I got Matt to hold the tuning forks, or the, the coat hangers. Yeah. I got him to hold them. And this is very woohoo, but it worked. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you. What I did was I got Matt to hold the tuning fork because I got him to look straight ahead. And I said to him, just don't think of anything really. Just try and keep yourself as blank as you possibly can. Not hard for men. Not hard for men. (laughs) Really simple. Probably would have been a little challenging if I'd given it to one of you girls. that don't think about anything i'm like going don't think about anything oh my god i'm thinking oh god, of everything i'm thinking of everything oh now what is, is she looking at me is she looking at me what do i say what do i, say? Do I want to pretend to do is, is that going to move or is, is it not going to move yeah i don't know if i can do this and that just went it. blank i <laughs> <laughs> mean i'm so good at that it's that selective blank, yeah. blank. <laughs> so i said because Nat sort of gave me a bit of coaching on what to say because she does this other, like, amazing kind of counselling technique. And she said to me, ask Matt's body if you can influence his field. So I did. So I said in my head, I went, right, can I influence your field? Can I influence your thoughts? Will you let me in there? I didn't actually hear an answer. She said that I would, but I didn't. I didn't yeah. hear an answer. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then I started to think about Matt. Um, Matt's just bought a muscle car. He's just bought a 19... 19- oh, he bought his muscle car? Yeah, you want to see it? It's in the driveway. Oh, my gosh. I actually asked him if I could drive it over. He said, no. No. <laughs> but he's bought this 1967 Camaro. It's just been imported from the United States. Oh. And it's just this, you know, it's, it's quite hot. So anyway, so I th- and he didn't have it then. And I got into I felt like I was think I was associating into him. I was trying to like really associate into him. And I suppose you could really only do this with people that you know, I don't know. Um, and I was really trying to feel how excited he was about getting the car and really, you know, feeling and the tuning forks split and spread oh, wide wow. open and came around, touched him on the shoulders. What did he say? He just said, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? What are you doing here? What's going on? I'm not thinking about anything. What are you doing? I said, I'm thinking about you getting so excited about the car and directing the tuning forks even though they're in your hands. Oh, that is woohoo-y, isn't it? Isn't it woohoo? It's amazing. Isn't it woohoo? So when he put the forks out, I was noodle-baked for a while. I thought that, that just goes to show that we are unbelievably connected to Mm. each other incredibly connected to each other and from a you know from a scientific perspective i don't know if we've even spoken about this but when you share bodily fluids with another human being and yes kim i know i said it again i know i don't know what's wrong with Mm -hmm. me today Mm -hmm. i don't know 
but when you, you know, when you have a partner, there's a DNA exchange. So if I touch you now, and I'm just wiping my hands on Kim. <laughs> but she's just wiped the sweat off her brow. I did, I did, I did. <laughs> now, I just put all my DNA on you, and for as long as DNA stays alive... Oh, thanks. Everybody's touching Kimmy. <laughs> Everyone's giving her DNA. But there's a, there's an experiment that was conducted that while ever that DNA... this. Yes. Tell us, shut the front door. Shut the front door. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so to the experiment, this this guy, and they got some army guys to do it. Not that that makes any difference. But what they did was they scraped the inside of this one particular army guy's mouth out to get the DNA. Like, you did a swab of the inside of his mouth. They put some monitors on him. Then they took this swab and took it 300 kilometers away. And they put the same monitors on the swab. They showed the army guy an emotional film. The second, the very second, the instant that he became emotional, his DNA became emotional. They measured the the, the same responses occurred even though his DNA was 300 kilometres away. So while ever the DNA is still alive, you will feel... Like, so if I touch you, you will feel what I'm feeling, even if you're three and a half kilometres away or 300 kilometres away, you will still feel what I'm feeling. Because when I get the feeling, my DNA naturally gets the feeling. Mm. So when we exchange, you know, when we're in relationship with people and children again, because mm. obviously they're part of you, um, that's why parents can feel their children. Mm. And th- when what, something inf- impacts one member of the family, the rest of the family feels it. Mm. So when um, we think about that from a scientific perspective, the evidence is there. Mm. The evidence is absolutely there. There's a DNA exchange that takes place that means I can feel Matt, Matt can feel me, you can feel me now, Kimmy, sorry, sweet, but it wasn't in the brochure, but now it's there. It's quite nice. I must say. It's nice. It's It's unusual. Feeling quite good, yes. Mm. How about you? Mm. Feeling Mm. Mm. a bit washed out now, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) She had a big weekend. Monstrous weekend. You've just reminded me of something that happened while we were in Fiji. You, You left Karen, and Kim and I stayed on another couple days, and we went, um, away from our hotel for the day and we were coming back and I got in the car and I had this rush of anxiety mm. hit me had a real rush of anxiety so I'm going through my kids going I hope who you're alright, who is it, is it Brogan, Casey Tanya, Fran, so I'm going going through the kids and then I, all of a sudden I go it's not me, this is not about me and I thought it's Kim but I didn't want to say anything to Kim because Kim's daughter was catching a train that day by and herself, for, by the first herself time. for the very first time. Down to Brisbane. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. And it was on my mind all day. <gasps> but but it, I was sending... I didn't get panicky. Until you got in the car? Well, I wondered. Yeah. I wasn't panicking, but well, I got in the car. You didn't need to because Cindy did it for you. Yeah. There you go. But it was weird because I, I didn't know where it was coming from. and I So I went through my kids and I'm thinking, no, it's not that. But I didn't want to say anything to Kim because I didn't want her to think about it. If she was anxious about it, you know, it was just one of those things that I didn't want to remind her that her daughter was on a train um, by herself at the age of 15 yeah. going down to Brisbane. I just thought I'll talk about it when I know she's near her phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I asked her at the end of it, I said, are you worried about, you know, are you worried about Taylor? Can I just ask you, how did you even know to say, is it me, is it my kids, is it this one, is it that one, is it Kim? How did you even know to ask the question, is it me or someone else? Because I, I, you had it, that feeling. It was a, didn't you? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a really anxious feeling. But I'm like going, no, it's, it's not. I don't know why I asked. I had no idea. But I, I wanted to check in with each of the kids. How did, but how did you know to do that? Mm. Just, you do it as a mother. You're always checking oh, in. Is it? Mm. Yeah, you're always checking in with. 
and does the one thing right? I do, is it well, the know? one thing I do when I get those feelings because of this whole thing of what you emit or what you think. Yes, yes. You, you, the minute I get a thought like mm. that, I now don't try and discount that thought because yeah. I think the more I then go, oh no, don't think that, don't think that. Oh, then I'm you're not thinking about it. it. Yeah. yeah. So now, whenever I get a feeling or a thought like that, the first thing I do is go, oh. Thank you, universe, for the reminder to send love, mm. for the reminder to yes. send protection, for the reminder that she's okay, for the reminder that, you know, because what's the point of me now going into panic mode or freaking out when I don't know? Mm. So the outcome has got a, you know, probably a 99% chance that she's okay when there's a little slight chance it might not be, but why go there yes. when I don't know? Yes. And this is where I always ask people, are you, and here's the accent again, are you a warrior or are you a warrior? <laughs> That would be a W-A-R-R-I-O-R or a W-O-R-R-I-E-R. Thank you. You got that? Thanks. Did you all get that? Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> Are you a warrior or a warrior? Yeah. A, a, a warrior or a warrior? Or a warrior. Yeah, yeah. Either one. The warrior, the one that worries about everything and is always anxious and that mm. feeling, I always think, why put your attention into that? Exactly. When you could actually be a warrior of positive thoughts and convert it. So an example I had, a lady said to me in a workshop one day, my husband has to drive, how many k's is it from here to Gympie every day? Is it 80 k's, mm. 90 k's? Yeah, 60. Like I don't think oh, it's, yeah. it's 60. It's about an hour about and a half drive. Is it? Aaron, I... I I don't slow. Yeah. Let's say it's an hour's drive. Okay, let's do that. And 100k. Her husband has to travel this road. 70k. And, and the Gimpy Road apparently <laughs> is always known as a treacherous yes, road, it and is. it's quite horrible. Mm. So she's sitting there, and she goes, "Oh no, I'm a warrior. I, I just I worry all the time, and and I'm, I feel sick every morning. He kisses me goodbye. He goes in the car. Oh, for he gets to work, and no. if he does not text oh, me, or his, I start panicking even more, and I just get into such. And I go, "You do this every day," and she goes, "Yeah." And then when he texts me on the way home. I'm worried about it. And I went, <gasps> oh, no. how long has he been doing this? And she said, 18 months. You need to slap her. I did. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I spritzed her with the de-stress and revive. <laughs> and oh, her I eyes said, were open. Yeah, and I said, did you feel that? Um, but I said to her, sweetheart, you actually have to turn this around and to be a warrior of love and protection, not a warrior of anxiety and worrying what's going to happen. I said, the terrible thing about it, it may happen. I said, okay. It may happen. There could be an accident. But she's living like it's happened already. But that's the thing. I said to her, yeah, she's living like out the emotions yeah. as if it's happened. Why go there until you know for sure it has or it hasn't? Yeah. So my point on that was when we're thinking like that, this is what this book did up. When you did that in the car that day, well, of course, I got the text. Mm. She was fine. But you know what you picked up on? Yeah. She was on the train and she sent me a text saying, Mum, there was this really creepy guy on the oh, train that, that asked me for money. And I saw another lady there who was going to my dance audition with her daughter and I asked if I could sit with her and she said, I was about to ask you to come and sit with me. So she was protected. Mm -hmm. So the love and protection, maybe the worry we had was accountable, but the love and projection we put out then allowed that woman to be there to protect her and hold her or just have her yeah, close, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. which... I'm not sitting here feeling sick about it. I'm like, thank you, universe. You know, like, I really am grateful for that unbelievable connection we have. So my thing is, let's put out there the perception of protection and love and, and the greater good, which is what E Squared is about. It's about the greater good. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing, you know, about life is that, it, it you know, we, well, well I, no, I won't say it's a beautiful thing. It's probably the most challenging part of the way that we think in that 
we can um, we we can we can have a fear about something, and we can have a we can have a belief about something or a concern about something. But the mind and the brain, well, the brain, sorry, not the mind, but the, the brain doesn't actually know the difference between what's imagined and what's real. It doesn't know. So if we have an imagined worry or if we're imagining this guy, you know, this man's going to have an accident on his way to Gympie, if we're imagining that, if we're imagining that, imagining that, what the signals and the cascade of messages that's been sent through the body is that it's happened, that it, yeah. it, it, it has actually happened because the brain doesn't know the difference between what's imagined and what's real. So we are living as if it's happened, but we don't just live as if it's happened once. Like if an accident happens, it just happens once in the moment that it happens. We live like it happens twice a day for that lady. Mm. Her husband's in an accident twice a day. And the cascade of messages going through that body is, is, is rendering her absolutely powerless. Mm. And that is actually the power of the brain. It's that powerful because if, what if we were to imagine amazing things? Like E Squared is all about training the brain. It's one thing I'm loving. I'm reading another book at the moment by Deepak Chopra called The Super Brain. Oh, my goodness, shut the front door. <laughs> Such a fabulous book. The man's a genius. Um, but there's a real contrast between whether the brain thinks us or whether we think the brain. And for the most part, we don't think the brain. We don't use the brain as a tool. Like, I use my hand to pick up a glass. I use my hand and my arm as a tool. And I use my legs as a tool to move me forward. I use my mouth as a tool to speak. And I use my body as a tool to get me to where I want to be. But our brain, we don't use it the same way. We don't drive the brain. The brain drives us because mm. thoughts just arrive randomly. Yeah. Worries just arrive randomly. And then we analyze them and say, yes, I should be terrified of that because that could happen in the future. And therein begins the beginning of anxiety because we just keep repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. Mm. It's a whole other podcast. I know. Is I know. Just to finish up, that, that the field of she calls it the field of potentiality, doesn't she? Field of pure potentiality, correct. So you're talking about operating out of that mm. in the purity of it, as in the positiveness of it, as in oh, the, yeah. the amazing things that can happen, isn't yeah. it? Oh, there's another book that's called The Field by um, oh, yes. Lynn McTaggart. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that's what I think awesome we might too. do is that on our Facebook and on the Wellness Couch, um, which she'll talk about, Karen, um, in a little bit, I think what we'll do is we will put links mm. to these books, and mm. we'll and I'll let the the listeners know that yeah. we will become affiliates for Amazon and Kindle mm -hmm. because we would love to see how many um, people actually are interested in this, and this will show us a way of, of yeah. how you're interested. So we'll put the field. Will we put the field in there? Eight, um, e squared. And do you want to put Super Brain on there as well? Yeah, as absolutely. We'll, we'll give you those three. And what about the Course in Miracles? And Mutant we'll Messages down in, um, Mutant under. Messages. We'll do Mutant Messages. So we'll put those links. So please go to our Facebook page and um, go on the link where this, this is, and it'll probably be on the Wellness Couch as well, the links. Yes. Um, but go on there, and if you decide to buy it, so we can... We can see, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. how many people were interested in this podcast and if you want us to do more books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's and fabulous. one other little thing that we should just finish on. Oh, look at you. You just look Stop so naughty. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Oh, my gosh. Just before you sign off, I want to say thank you. Thank you to our beautiful listeners. Oh, yes. <gasps> oh, oh yes. Shut, Shut the, the front, front door. door. Beautiful are you listeners? We don't even think that you're listening. <laughs> we just think it's us three having a chat because this is actually how we talk when we're yeah, not recording. Yeah. 
But it's thanks to you guys downloading us that we went number three this week in Australia and number 24 in America. Mm, So thank you from Mm. the bottom of our hearts for being in our field of potentiality and being such a beautiful part of our network. It just, it really floats our boat. And there's, there's something incredibly powerful about collective consciousness. So when we're all surfing the same wave collectively, like, Imagine the transformation that's taking place on the, from a human, humanitarian perspective across the board with that food and responsibility. Just amazeballs. We think you're amazeballs. Yeah. <laughs> amazeballs. Yeah. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. It feels like it's just gone so quick. I know. I feel like we just started it. I know. So join us here next week on Up For A Chat. Um, we also really want you guys to go to our Facebook page. So I'm going to give you the link. And it's all the W's, uh, .facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And Cindy's just writing down the list of books that we're going to put on that link there for you guys to access. And you can also go to The Wellness Couch, which is all the W's, dot the wellness couch forward slash up for a chat and where you can post your responses to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you. We read your responses all the time. So join us on Up for a Chat next week and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world and we will see you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.